We're sorry. All of our representatives are still assisting other customers. Please remain on the line as we value your call. We've all been there, waiting to talk to customer service on hold. It's like this shared human experience that seems to have transcended generations of phone users. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that calling a business now isn't that much different to how it was 60 or 70 years ago. And while that may be true, it still involves a phone and calling a number. But phone support and the tech behind it has actually been evolving, albeit quietly in the background while you were on hold. Hello? Oh, hello? Who's calling? Well, what number is this? Well, what number are you calling? I'm calling your number. Today on Inside Intercom, we're dialing in for an episode all about the evolution of phone support, one that Intercom is part of. We just launched Intercom Phone. What is it? Intercom co-founder and chief strategy officer, Des Trainer explains. Intercom Phone is Intercom's native solution for phone support. It's something our customers have been asking for, and really it's the final piece of the puzzle that makes Intercom a truly complete customer service platform. Now our customers don't have to outsource their phone support software. They do it all in the same place as they do all their other support on Intercom. And they can, because of that, they can deliver exceptional customer experiences regardless of the channel. Des says there's two key ways we see support teams using Intercom Phone. The first is what you'd guess, right? Phone support. You can make and receive calls directly from within the Intercom inbox. So if your support agents are there, calls will get will come in. And if they want to move to a phone call with a customer, they can. And you can set up sophisticated phone trees, all the stuff you'd expect to be a complete solution here. You can set up an IVR tree using our workflows product to make sure that the right calls go to the right team. The second way is a little different. And this is kind of us meeting the requests of our customers who are often very future facing. What we've built is this idea we call messenger calls, which is support teams now have the ability to instantly jump from a live chat messenger conversation to a voice conversation or to a video conversation, or even actually to a screen sharing call when the customer is using the intercom messenger. So for the teammates, they're still working in the inbox, so they don't have to interrupt the conversation or or start a new one or navigate to another tool or change tab. And for the customers, it's pretty seamless because what was once a messenger just turns seamlessly into an actual fully functional video call complete with screen sharing. There's no kind of like click this link, go over here or any of that sort of messing around. And I think we've, we've seen like screen sharing be super popular because oftentimes it's the quickest way, like just show me what you're looking at. Oh, that's what the problem is. So we see a lot of those benefits too. The messenger has always been kind of our core. So we're really excited to see it kind of level up yet again. Later on, we're going to come back to Des to hear a little more about why we built Intercom Phone. But we couldn't do the evolution of phone support without starting with the invention of the telephone. If anyone asked you who invented the telephone, you'd say Alexander Graham Bell, right? Here's a recording of Bell from 1885, from a disc in the Smithsonian. Hear my voice, he says. Well, in the 1870s, Bell and a man named Elisha Gray both independently designed inventions that allowed people to transmit speech electrically. They even both submitted their designs to the patent office within hours of each other. 
But Bell's was the first to be patented, and a famous legal battle ensued over who was the rightful inventor of the telephone, with Bell being the eventual winner. But even to this day, some people have their doubts. And it wasn't just those two laying claims. An Italian immigrant named Antonio Mucci filed an announcement of his similar invention in 1871. He was totally overlooked until the United States House of Representatives passed a resolution in 2002 honouring his contributions and work to the telephone. And even though telephone's origin story isn't exactly clear, its impact on the world has been immeasurable, transforming all sorts of lines of communication, one of them being how businesses can help their customers. The first example of the telephone being used as a marketing tool is in the early 1900s. Companies would use phone directories to compile and sell client lists. By 1915, the first coast-to-coast -coast telephone call was placed, and by 1930, it was possible to phone across the Atlantic by radio. When it's necessary to signal the operator, do it this way. A definite rhythm. If you pump up and down impatiently like this, about the only thing you're likely to get is high blood pressure. <laughs> Phone technology slowly crept across America, creating a communications infrastructure. But it required people manning switchboards at high cost, and as such was only available to a small portion of the population. That is, until the introduction of consumer long-distance dialing in 1951. They're going to take out all our phones and put in them kind with dials on them. Oh, Grant, that's yummy. Does it say how soon? A few weeks, I guess. As soon as a man gets used to one thing, by golly, somebody wants to take it away from him. Suddenly, it became possible for telephone customers to operate this complex communication system by themselves, without the assistance of others. What you might call the first call center agents were housewives in the 50s. They'd call up friends and neighbors and try to sell baked goods to bring extra money into the household. Oh, is that you, Myrtle? Yes, who's that, Hortense? Yes, this is Hortense. Oh, hello. Hello. Businesses began to get phone-wise and trained their employees on how to be courteous on the line. But no matter whose phone you're answering, your own or anybody else's, always make your customer feel that you're interested in his call. Be obliging and polite. Then when you're sure he's finished, bring the conversation to a definite, courteous close, like this. Yes, that's fine. Thanks for calling, Mr. Frisbee. Goodbye. By the 1960s, more sophisticated dialing technology had arrived and would start to shape phone support as we know it today. Touchtone dialing was a really big one. That's Ernie Smith. I'm a writer and editor. I run a newsletter called Tedium, the Dull Side of the Internet. Even though the first touchtone dialing came about in the 60s, Ernie says rotary dialing was still pretty common into the 1980s. It took a couple of decades to become common. Things that like we don't even think about becoming common over time that seem like they just appeared one day. A good example is like the credit card. The magnetic strip did not appear until the 80s. Before that, everything was done manually. Rotary phones are very much the same thing. <laughs> More and more of the things we just kind of take for granted when it comes to phones began to develop and advance. Ernie says there were five key technologies that made phone-based customer support possible. 
The first was, as we heard, touch-tone dialing. It made it possible to communicate through the telephone line without speaking. The second was 1-800 numbers. Which were actually invented by AT&T. Roy Weber developed them in 1967 as a way to route collect calls. And it turned out sort of as a happy accident that it was actually a really great way to market products. The charge of a 1-800 number went to the owner of the number, so now customers didn't have to pay to call a business for support. This actually turned out to be a pretty big cash cow for AT&T. By the mid-80s, people were making 3 billion toll-free calls per year, which is a lot. <laughs> The next key tech in the evolution of phone support was something called private branch exchanges. They were essentially mini switchboards that allowed businesses to route phone calls. One of the interesting things to, to consider is that the phone system basically grew from being this big monolith operated by effective monopolies like AT&T the US. So businesses having these miniature switchboards kind of democratized the whole process. You were running your own little system where you could route where the calls go. This is obviously a great thing in the case of a call center when you have hundreds of people like on the floor trying to serve customers. And this would basically route whatever call came in to a customer support person. It basically enabled call centers by allowing a more automated system and, and keeping it something that <laughs> didn't require phone companies to manage. <laughs> The 1970s came with bell-bottoms, tie-dye shirts, and a new tech that we still use today in phone support, interactive voice responses. This was first used by banks to verify customer balances. For your account balance, please press one. You know, you didn't have to go to the bank or like wait in the mail for like a sign of, okay, here's what's in your account. It became much more intelligent over time. In its most sophisticated forms, it can even analyze the, the journey that the customer is making in real time. It's kind of like one of those choose your own adventure books. Yeah, choose your own adventure is a great way to put it. Just <laughs> I'm just thinking about like how how in many ways dialing into a call center is, is, is sort of like playing like an old text-based adventure game or a game like Myst where, where, where like you're given a set of options and you have to like hit one. In, in the best versions of that, it can be a very solid experience, but in the worst versions, it feels like the game's broken. <laughs> Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that... All businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise. Old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. 
We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. Arguably, the biggest advance for the telephone was to cut the cord and go mobile. The technology development for that to happen started out quite early. In 1946, Motorola had the first car radio telephone service, but it was very limited and it wasn't available to the commercial market. It really wasn't until the 80s that car phone kind of became popular. That's Cornelia Connolly, a lecturer in the School of Education in the National University of Ireland, Galway. My background's in computer engineering and telecommunications. I I studied that as part of my master's. And you might be wondering, if we had mobile car phones in the 40s, even with their limited capacity, what took so long for that tech to advance? (laughs) Bell Laboratories proposed cellular mobile technology to the FCC. That was the Federal Communications Commission in the U.S., But it wasn't granted then, that was in 1947, because of the influence of the television industry, which is really interesting. The TV bigwigs didn't want any interference with or to share their allocation of frequency. And it wasn't until 1970 that the FCC actually granted parts of the spectrum for mobile telephones. Uh, it's interesting, too, because it was like in the in the 60s for any Star Trek fans, Captain Kirk used a cordless communicator. And so it was like maybe 10 years later that we as the public got to use mobile phones. Right now, businessmen and women are major users of radio telephones where cellular is in service. But more people will take advantage of cellular as its benefits become apparent. Eventually, seeing people using cellular phones may seem as commonplace as someone checking time on an electronic watch, figuring on an electronic calculator, or programming on an electronic computer. By the 1980s, there were around 1 million subscribers to mobile phones. But now there's like up to 4 billion smartphone users. This brings us to Ernie's fifth key technology that made phone-based customer support possible, the humble SMS. This actually is the most recent of the primary phone-based technologies. It dates to the 90s. The way that SMS has worked really well is it started out as sort of a broadcast technology as far as like the customer support experience goes. Like you can, you know, in the case of uh, political campaigns, for example, like if you're trying to like reach like a broad audience and you have your list, you know, you send, you send out messages like, hey, like, you know, support your candidate, you know, like, fundraising and such. But I I think that that's one of the areas that's obviously gotten more sophisticated over time. And it, it's been really fascinating to sort of see like, okay, this is, this is where we started with it. Now you can have like more direct one-to-one like customer support, like conversations with people completely over text. So that's, it's pretty cool. (laughs) We certainly know all about helping customers via messaging here at Intercom. One thing that we all associate with phone support that hasn't seemed to have evolved a huge amount is the dreaded on-hold music. 
Ah, make it stop. Ooh, there is one person, though, who has upped on hold music's game. Well, I'm so glad you reached out, yeah. Paul Schuler is a musician and IT professional in the Seattle area of Washington State. And a while back, a piece of music he created was hailed as the greatest on-hold music in the world. I was actually in support, phone support at that time, so I'm not any longer. So yes, it's been an interesting progression. Early on, Paul got interested in music and uploading music to the Internet Archive. I was doing this as a sort of a hobby at the time. I had um, started as a drummer in high school playing in rock bands and punk bands and stuff like that. And then I I went to a uh, vocational school and started to learn about electrical engineering and computers. And this was 1997, 98. I got a job right out of there in an electrical engineering facility, started learning about computers and signal flow and just really got interested in building my own computers. And then I found, wow, I can really combine my love for music and record and and start to experiment with sound on a computer. It was sort of a new thing at the time. After lots of what Paul calls sound experiments that turned into music, he grew more empowered to just record himself. So that's basically the concept that led me to recording an electrical piano or electric piano called a Wurlitzer 200A, which I had really been into, you know, getting into digital pianos and I had studied jazz and drumming. And that was basically the formation of this song that I initially created called Simplicity. At the time, one of the few places you could upload audio was the Internet Archive. So that's where he uploaded this track. At the time, I was very non-attached to the technical elements of intellectual property. I didn't even understand it really at that time. I was just had the mechanism to publish audio for free and create it myself. And so I was just doing that, you know, for fun. Right. So people were just using your music for videos or projects and whatnot. When did you discover it had been used as on hold music? (laughs) That's such a funny question because my brother, I think, contacted me several times. He was like, hey, uh, bro, I think I was on hold and I actually heard one of your songs. That song is called Simplicity. So just imagine you're on hold. You've been waiting and waiting, but this track comes on. Seriously, how chill is this? So <laughs> he texted me about it. And uh, and then I started digging a little deeper. And lo and behold, I found out, okay, this is being used in an open source software called Asterisk. And they basically threw in a couple of my songs that they had got from internet, the Internet Archive. Why do you think it works so well as on hold music? I think it's because it's kind of repetitive. Like I said, it's loop based on the keyboard elements. And then I'm just sort of improvising on the drum set. And it's not like I did a really high quality recording. It's it's just one microphone placed over the drum set. I think it's just got a, a sort of authentic and sort of organic vibe to it. And people just 
realize this, okay, this isn't canned music. This isn't something that's just fake. It's, it's something that somebody actually created, you know? And you used to work in tech support over the phone. I did. So I've spent many an hour on hold and actually listening to my own hold music while trying to help someone. Were you ever tempted to tell them like, hey, I made this music you're listening to? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I generally, they were already pissed off, so I didn't, you know, I basically just tried to help them with their issue. That brings us right up to now and to the latest innovation in phone support. It's a new product from Intercom called Intercom Phone. Why did we build it? Here's Intercom co-founder Des Trainer. Well, even with like the, you know, what, what Forrester or Gartner would call like the digitization of customer experiences, phone support is still something people expect and still something that's appropriate in certain circumstances and still, regardless of what those two, something just people want. A majority of customers still prefer having their issue resolved over the phone. They want to talk to somebody. They feel it's urgent. They want to be able to, you know, communicate their emotions, stress their anxiety or fear. So it's just really an important solution as part of a complete customer support platform. Phone is probably like the most personal human channel available or phone link plus video because it's like synchronous one-to-one between two people. You know, they're not jumping around like certain 500 people at the same time. Tanner Elvidge is a staff product manager who worked on Intercom Phone. And as far as what it's going to mean for support reps to have this at their disposal, Tanner says there'll probably be two impacts felt on different time horizons. The immediate benefit is the efficiency gains. So by consolidating calling into a single tool, support reps can stay in one place. They only need to learn a single interface. They won't have to jump between tools throughout their day. And that is important not only for the frontline reps answering the phone, but also to their managers and team leads. So they need visibility into what's happening across all of the support interactions that are happening. And by consolidating into one tool, they'll have a lot of that visibility just built in because we've invested a lot to update our real-time dashboard and historical reports to make sure that they have great access to, to data. And then the the second impact is longer term. So over time, we want to enable teams to be more intentional about when they call on the phone uh, versus when they use other channels. So we very much see a world where we can give teams flexibility to be more precise. So sure, they can set up an inbound phone tree and and answer inbound calls, which they can probably do today. and, And that's really critical to maintain. But we've heard that not all of those inbound calls need to be answered by a person. Really, only the complex ones should be. That's why we built Intercom Phone, to give teams more options. So if there's a complicated technical issue, you can use messenger calling to screen share with the customer. And coming soon, we'll have the ability to seamlessly move less complex calls to more scalable channels, where that question could be automated without ever involving a support rep. So ultimately, we want to ensure that every support request has the fastest, most effective resolution. And we're building the tools for support teams to be precise about how they get there. How does it feel to use Intercom Phone? Here's Des again. It's really just like a proper wow moment. When we show support teams the transition from live chat to a video call to screen sharing, 
genuinely jaws dropped. They're like, holy shit, this is going to save me so much time, so much pain. It's gonna be so great for our customers. It's like they instantly see how it'll impact everyday workflows. And then separately, like tra the traditional phone calls piece of it couldn't be more intuitive. It's just there in the inbox, no plugins, just, you know, calls can be answered or dealt with or even converted into a ticket all from the same place. And if you need to follow up, you can just jump onto a call from the inbox too. Outbound calls are an easy way to close out an ongoing issue to give a real personal touch when something's finally dealt with. You can call the customer and say, hey, it's me from xyz.com. Uh, just confirming that we've fully closed out your issue. Tanner, what do you think the early inventors involved with the phone and phone support would make of its evolution? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think as an inventor of phone and phone support, looking at where phone is now, I would be really impressed and inspired by how important it still is to the industry, right? It's, it's, a, it's an old technology. It's, you know, 50, 60 plus years old. And it's still an incredibly powerful tool. But I think I would also potentially be surprised about the direction that it's been innovated in. When I look at other technologies like computing or things like that, phone hasn't quite kept the same kind of technological pace and, and evolution that other technologies have. And I think the most interesting thing is that other technologies like computing have gotten more precise and more targeted for their use case over time. Whereas phone is a bit more first port of call for every issue still. And so if we think about computers being kind of the example, we went through multiple evolutions of, of computers from the desktop to mobile devices to uh, laptops in the middle, <laughs> which with every successive iteration, we started to use the prior generation for more what it's important for. So desktops were better for compute power. So things like uh, gaming or large data processing. And anyway, so we don't really use those in our day to day unless we're doing one of those two things. Similarly with laptops, we do a lot of our work there, but you and I probably spend most of our time on our, on our phones and on our you know, digital like mobile technology. Phone hasn't kept that same trajectory in the support industry. Phone has very much been, hey, here's our 1-800 number. You can call it for every issue. We'll answer every call. And even though we've seen things like email come in and now messaging, which you and I probably spend the most of our time messaging in our day-to-day -day lives, but we still pick up a phone and call a business for every issue that we have. Stay with us. In just a moment, Tanner is going to reveal his worst customer phone support moment. But first, my thanks to Intercom co-founder Des Trainer. You'll find him on LinkedIn. Ernie Smith, his internet history newsletter is called Tedium, the dull side of the internet, but believe me, it is anything but. You'll find that at tedium.co. Also, thanks to lecturer Cornelia Connolly. You'll find her on Twitter at CorneliaThinks. If that chill on hold music is still in your brain, you can check out more of Paul Schuler's great music at his site, macroformmusic.com. The link is in the show notes. And finally, thanks to Intercom staff product manager Tanner Elvich, who shared a recent phone support horror story with me. I actually had a flight booked to go home and visit some family over the holidays. I mean, travel is still just not back up to, to speed, right? Like there's still tons of disruptions and changes happening all the time. And I got this like cryptic email from them that said, hey, your itinerary has been changed. Give us a call to fix it. 
And I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called and the wait time, and at least they told me up front, but it was three hours and 45 minutes. Ooh. And I hung up. I was like, no way. Like there's, there's gotta be a way to resolve this on the website or in their app. And I, I'm intentionally not naming names here, by the way, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually I was like, okay, there's no other way to do this. And so I carved out like some time on a Sunday just to call them and three hours into hold time, the call dropped. Oh no. Yeah. It was brutal. Like I, it, it was bad. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I ended up just being like, you know what? I'm just going to show up to the airport early and do it in person because that's the only way that I am going to get through, <laughs> uh, which was a gamble. And it actually, it was kind of stressful, um, you know, on top of all of the travel that I had to do, it was like, okay, great. Now I have to figure out if I even have the itinerary that I need. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>